entering this uh, sermon series a few weeks ago through the summer into the fall a little bit where we are going to be working our way through the Psalms of Ascent, which are these pilgrimage psalms, songs that were to be sung as God's people ascended up to Jerusalem uh, for the annual feasts of the Old Covenant Church year. And the Psalms of Ascent are helpful for us uh, as New Covenant believers because they give us songs for the road trip, songs that are prayers that uh, shape us and how we are to lean into the experiences we have along the way, how we are to lean into our great and loving God as we travel to remind us of not only what we are leaving behind as we travel towards a sacred destination, a sacred destination of worship, as we will see in Psalm 122, which is our psalm for this day's sermon text that we just sang, and I'm going to read it in full for us now. Let me just remind you, this is God's word to us, and it's given to us because he loves us. Psalm 122, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless the reading and the preaching of your word that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts and minds to understand what it is that you would have to say to us today in your word because yours is the voice that we need to hear above all other voices, the voice of love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as a pastor of 14 plus years, I've spoken often about the need to make weekly gathered worship a priority in the life of the Christian, of the Christian faith. We've done so, uh, obviously, in sermons and personal conversations. And then, of course, over the years, I've heard all sorts of reasons and excuses as to why folks don't come to weekly gathered worship. I mean, one time I even got invited to a member's one-year-old birthday party uh, that was scheduled right in the middle of our Sunday worship service. I'm not making that up. That happened. I guess they thought I would just skip it. I don't know. The pandemic hit the church hard when it comes to church attendance, not just our church here in Brooklyn, New York, but all over uh, the country, even in places like the Bible Belt in the South. We had hopes that the crisis of the pandemic was actually going to push people into our churches, people looking for comfort and community. But instead, folks got used to not going during the lockdown and decided that they preferred it that way. But I get it. And I know that you do too, even though you're here today fanning yourselves and sweating a little bit in a, on a hot, humid day in this sanctuary, that even though you came today, you understand that feeling as well. We don't always want to be here. I mean, I get paid to be here, so that at least takes away the temptation to just skip it. And I always am highly motivated to show up either. 
So I asked the question this week as I studied this psalm, why are we here? Why do we come to gathered worship? Or why should we want to be here in gathered worship together? Well, the psalmist says that I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He's glad when he hears other voices in his community actually sing to him that it is time to go up to gathered worship, in this case, to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem for one of the major religious festivals. And by extension, it really applies to every instance the community of faith gathers together for worship. Whenever we come to this sacred destination, that is a sacred destination of worship. This destination of worship where, as the psalmist goes on to describe in Psalm 122, all the different tribes come together, they put aside their differences, and they, in unity, celebrate the, ju- the just and good and righteous rule of their king. And if you read the Old Testament, you know that these tribes, these 12 tribes that descended from the 12 sons of Jacob, they didn't always belong. In fact, quite the opposite. But in these moments, they are putting aside their, their differences to come together and to worship. They where they will come and they will give thanks to the name of the Lord who desires for them shalom. The perfect flourishing wholeness of God. And as they celebrate God's peace that is for them, they pray for God's shalom to not just be with their brothers and sisters, to actually be in each other. And from a place of fullness, they will then go to seek the common good so that the community of faith may be built up and strengthened. These pilgrims are going to Jerusalem to celebrate and to remember everything that God has said. They're going to celebrate and remember everything that God, all the mighty acts that God has done to redeem them in order to pursue us and to bring us back home to Him. They are going to remember and celebrate that there is forgiveness, there is hope, there is purpose. So he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Were you glad this morning to go to the house of the Lord? I mean, we would like for it to be a joy every Lord's day to come to the Lord's house for worship. But we all know that sometimes that's just simply not the case. You may come out of a sense of duty or obligation, a sense of guilt or shame, maybe out of coercion. And we get this picture of what is happening in worship, the things that are being done and said and celebrated in Psalm 122, but it still had me asking this, this week, but why? Why is it so important to make routine, weekly gathered worship a consistent practice in our life? Like, what is the payoff? And the benefit. And an answer came this week in an unexpected source, one that I wasn't necessarily looking for. I was listening to an interview with Rick Rubin, the legendary music producer and co founder of Def Jam Records. And he was talking about the creative process, mostly in this interview, and things he had learned. But he also was riffing just sort of on his life and life experiences and lessons that he has learned along the way and come to value. And then he said this, and it just hit me. I was like, oh, well, this is, this is what we're talking about this week. He said, awareness needs constant refreshing 
That is the point of habits and rituals. Practices for staying tuned in. Awareness needs constant refreshing. That that is the point of habits and rituals. Practices for staying tuned in. And I like that. Awareness. Staying tuned in. This is a good reminder of the value of making weekly gathered worship a priority. Not simply because it's commanded. Which it is. It is commanded in the scriptures in the life of the believer that we are not to neglect gathering together in gathered worship. Not simply because your parents command it. Not simply because your spouse commands it. I mean, doing, coming, making this a weekly practice out of coercion is always going to be short-lived. But rather from this desire to stay aware, to remain tuned in, to the presence of God in our lives. I mean, that's what we want, right? We want to be assured that no matter what happens on the way in this journey of life, this pilgrimage that is our life, we want to remain alert and tuned in and aware that God's presence is always with us. Our awareness of this truth needs to be constantly refreshed because... Gathered worship on Sunday is not the only program of habit and ritual that we experience every single week. This one is not the only habit and ritual that we experience every week. We are constantly being bombarded with other promises, other gospels, other good news of the good life, and the liturgies associated with those other visions of the good life, to ingrain them into our hearts. These happen every day. Happens when you're going to work. Happens when you're going to school. Happens when you're staying home raising small children. It happens when you're shopping, whether at a mall, although I don't, does anybody really go to the mall anymore? But either at a mall or online, these things are happening. When you're going to sporting events, they're happening. You go to social events for work or family, when you do your hobbies and recreation, even when you're spending time alone. All these aspects of your day-to-day, your week-to-week, your year-to-year routine, they all come with their own habits and rituals that Rick Rubin was talking about. And sometimes these habits and rituals are harmless, It's just sort of your day-to-day. There's not a whole lot to them. But often, they have their own competing narratives. And they're working for your allegiance. They have their own way of trying to shape and to form you to love them. And they're usually very sneaky in how they work. They don't often come out and blatantly just say this is what they're trying to accomplish. They're trying to grab hold and sink their hooks into your heart. It's not always blatantly obvious how the daily grind of commuting on the train to work and working 50 to 60 hours a week and meeting deadlines and cranking out results for the boss so that you can get that promotion and get that raise so that you will make more money and have more stuff and go on better vacations and send your kids to better schools is working in your heart to try to get you to believe and accept that what you are actually created for is to be productive in a modern Western secular capitalist culture, as one example among many. 
I think we too often forget that our culture is working nonstop to shape and to form us. And too often we let down our guard against all the other influences in our day-to-day life that seek us, that seek to teach us to love other gods other than the one who created us for him. The author James K.A. Smith wrote an excellent book on this very topic, and I recommend it to all of you if you've never read it. It's called, You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit. And in this book, he says this, Spiritual formation in Christ requires a lot of rehabituation, precisely because we build up so many disordered habits over our lifetime. Disordered habits that are teaching our hearts to love all sorts of things than the God who created us for his love. Now, some of you, I'm sure, I asked the question earlier, why do we come here? Why do we do this week? Maybe some of you said in in your own mind, well, I just show up here every Sunday, but out of habit. I just do it out of habit. This is my habit. And to that I say, amen. Amen that that is your habit. Because the other habits in your life are not taking the week off. Just because you might take the week off for this habit doesn't mean the other ones are going to take a vacation either. And some of those habits are not training your heart to worship the God who deserves your worship. So if coming here is your habit, amen. Now, of course, I realize what you mean When you might say that is you don't want to come to gathered worship simply out of habit. That you want to, like the psalmist, to say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That you want it a joyful habit, not a compulsory, empty one. But here's the thing. Thankfully, the power of habits in general and the power of the habit of gathered worship is not dependent on how you feel about it. The power of the habit is that it is working even when you don't realize that it is working. Just like all the other habits in your day to day. You see, these pilgrims singing the Psalms of Ascent, they went in this habit every year going up to Jerusalem to encounter and to reenact the foundational realities of life that we were created. By God's love, for God's love. And that is why we are here as well. To remember, to reenact, to encounter God's love, God's shalom, to be filled up with it and to recognize our common humanity in need of God's love and then in turn go out to love others. Just as these Jewish pilgrims year after year to Jerusalem, so we return here. Week after week to this sacred destination of worship. To habituate, to rehabituate our first love for the one who promises us his enduring shalom, his enduring peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, my God.
Thank you.